Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. I am so thrilled to introduce you to our speaker today. Hannah Heather heads up the Vision Course for 24-7. She leads our evening service with her husband, Adam. She's also one of our leaders here at Emmaus, and she's just an amazing friend and um, just all-round good person. She's a great Bible teacher. She speaks all over, and well, I couldn't recommend her highly enough to you. So, Hannah, why don't you come? She's speaking on our last, I think it's our last, uh, one before our last talk on uh, our In Christ series. Hannah, over to you. Now you can clap. Thank you so much, Sammy. I love being an all-round good person. That's what you want, really, isn't it, to be said of you. Um, Good morning, everyone. It's really lovely to be with you this morning. We've just driven over from um, our Woking congregation. And driving here, I realized the last time that I um, preached over at Woking and then came here to preach, I was actually really um, early stages of being pregnant. When you know this thing called morning sickness is like really getting you. And I sort of had this moment right between Woking and here where I realized this is not going to go well (laughs) this morning. Let's be honest, you guys would be the splash zone. (laughs) Which, too much information? Maybe. Too much. But you're safe today. We're five months in. We're doing well. So I know, crazy. Terrifyingly quickly these things happen, don't they? But it's wonderful to be with you this morning, and today we're going to be, as Sammy said, we're continuing our In Christ series. And in this series, we've been looking at some of the fundamental truths of the Christian faith. What is it that we believe about who we are, who the Bible says that we are? And we've explored this phrase, in Christ, which is actually the most common description of a follower of Jesus in the Bible. It's not Christian. It's this, 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 he or she is a person who is in Christ or in Messiah. Do you know that that phrase occurs 164 times in the letters of Paul alone? And so it's indispensable to our understanding of the New Testament. This is how the first Christians were known. I am in Christ. And what that means for us here today is that Primarily, we did not sign up to a religion or a creed or a culture or a way of life or a moral code. We sign up to a person, right? Jesus of Nazareth. We are in Jesus. And this person, he comes and he fundamentally and radically changes everything about who we are, from our identity to our character to our calling, our future, Being in Christ is this radical reorientation of everything. So this concept of in Christ, or what in theology is called union. And union with God is this process where you get baptized into the name of Jesus. You come up out of the water and are now one with God. And so Paul says over and over again, you're in Christ, and begins to lay out the implications of that for us. And so far in this series, we've covered 
Because you're in Christ, you're forgiven. Because you're in Christ, you're chosen. You're renewed. You're sanctified. And I don't know about you, but I've so loved this series because it's just such good news. We've been reminded that being in Christ means I no longer need to feel shame for my sin. Right? I've been set free. I'm a new creation. I'm a friend of God. It means I'm becoming holy. I'm made new. It's just extraordinarily good news to be in Christ. And today we're going to be looking at in Christ we are resurrected and exalted. And the passage we're going to start with, if you have your Bible there, is 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to cover quite a lot of ground this morning, so I hope you'll stay with me. We're going to read lots from the Bible, but I will read it all out. If you don't have one in front of you, don't worry. So 1 Corinthians 15, I'm reading from verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Christ has been raised from the dead, so in him all will be made alive. In other words, those of us who are in Christ will be resurrected just like he is. You remember a lot of this in Christ theology, it has to do with what is true for Jesus is now true for us, right? So God looks at Jesus without shame, uh, without sin, and he looks on us without sin. And so just as Jesus was resurrected from the dead, we too are going to be resurrected from the dead. Resurrection is actually this crux of the Christian faith, we tend to spend a lot of time looking at the cross, which is crucial, the fact that Jesus died for our sins. But it's funny, you know, we wear cross jewelry and, and we see crosses everywhere in popular culture, but what's far more unique and radical is actually the empty tomb three days later. Right, you don't see anyone wearing empty tomb earrings or necklaces. But this is actually the crux of our faith because the fact that the tomb lay empty changes everything. What's so important about Jesus' death on the cross is that he does not stay dead. And Paul tells us that because we are in Christ, because of this resurrection, we too will not stay dead but will be resurrected. So let's turn together to Matthew 27, and we're going to read about the day that we believe changed everything. Matthew 27, starting at 62. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. 
I love those little, those little verses in the Bible where God almost gives this like cheeky wink. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. <laughs> Don't you love that? Like, hey, how's it going? Greetings. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. The Bible categorically tells us that Jesus was not only crucified on a Roman cross, he rose again from the grave. Here's the thing, if in fact it's true that Jesus was bodily resurrected, he conquered the final enemy, death itself, everything has changed. The gospel is the good news. It's the good news about God sending his son, Jesus. He came to live a sinless life. Then he would give his life as a sacrifice on the cross. But he did not just die. He rose again. Resurrection is what makes the news good. Because those of us who are in Christ will also be made alive, right? Resurrected from the dead. But how and, and where and when? This kind of raises all sorts of questions for us. And what I want us to look at today is the resurrection does two things. It gives us hope for the future and it gives us transformation in the present. It actually means something for us now as well as in the future. And I think the first of those is often the main one we hear or think about. The resurrection means future hope of heaven and eternity with God. It means that just like Jesus, when we die, that will not be the end for us. That the resurrection of Jesus means that death doesn't have the same sting, right? The same agony for us as Christians because we know that there is hope. Even in death, there is a future, during our Credo series a while back, um, we looked at this in a lot more detail. We believe in the resurrection and the life that is to come. was the catchy title of that talk. And I'm not going to cover all the same ground again, but if you do want to look more into this, then you can find that online as part of our, our Credo series. But briefly, this Christian hope. Christian hope for heaven is not as culture has often thought of it, right? It's not that when we die, our spirits sort of go to some ethereal, sort of cloudy place with like 
Swedish chubby cherubs, right? This kind of like vague, like gold sort of plate. Like it isn't this kind of vague, cloudy thing that we often see in paintings. And that's actually really important because a vague or an uncertain hope is actually no hope at all, right? It's important that we know what this hope is. And often our thoughts about heaven can be a bit, a bit confused and impacted by that weird cultural thing. The Christian hope is actually for what the Bible calls the new heavens and the new earth, our hope. And when I say hope, I don't mean a kind of a wishful thinking, like I hope for this. I mean, this hope is something we can lean into. We can, we can trust with our whole lives. We, we can orient our future towards. Our Christian hope is that Jesus is actually going to come back here and make all of this new and better. That at the time when he comes back and takes his throne here and gets rid of everything hurtful and painful and all suffering, he will raise those who are in Christ from the dead. And just like Jesus was resurrected into his body, you remember his body was nowhere to be found because he was resurrected into it. This resurrection is bodily. So whether we die tomorrow or many years from now, at the point when Jesus comes back to rule and reign here and make everything new, he will resurrect our dead, decaying bodies up out of the ground. I mean, this is the point where it starts to sound more like a Michael Jackson thriller video, but it is actually the Bible that, that, this re that we will be resurrected and we will be able to enjoy the new heavens and the new earth with God forever. See, our hope is less about us going there and it has everything to do with him coming here. But there is something in between. There are kind of two stages to this future hope because we know that Jesus, he promises the thief next to him on the cross, doesn't he? Today you'll be with me in paradise. And he says to his disciples, um, I'm going to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And so we know that there is kind of an in-between stage where our souls, our spirits will dwell with him. We will go and we will be with him until the time when he chooses to come back here. And that's when we get our bodies back and when the new heavens and the new earth will be made. So there's kind of two movements to our future hope. And this is what N.T. Wright calls life after death and then life after, life after death. Is everyone with me? I realize this is quite a lot to be going through on a Sunday morning. So life after death. Let's just remind ourselves what this new earth is going to be like. And here's some biblical language for it. Isaiah calls it the new heavens and the new earth. Jesus calls it, and I love this, the renewal of all things. Paul calls it the age to come. Peter calls it the time for God to restore everything. This is how the Bible talks about our future in Christ. And in Revelation 21, we get the clearest picture of what this might look like. Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Isn't that a beautifully intimate picture of this future hope that we have in Christ? Being in Christ means a future with no more tears or pain of any sort. This is our solid hope, our future in Christ. And you know, that's incredibly important for us because what we believe about the future shapes how we live in the present, right? We do not live in fear. We have a beautiful future. We know where we're going, right? We are resurrection people. The resurrection offers us this beautiful future hope, but it's more than that. Let's turn quickly to 1 Peter 1, verse 3. And we've got Peter, and he's trying to explain the magnitude of this resurrection. And he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection is a living hope, right? So it's not just about the future. Sometimes I think of kind of old school, like fiery preacher types. And honestly, I think sometimes... They treat the good news a little bit like some kind of fire insurance for the future, right? Like make sure you sign up now because you don't know what will happen tomorrow. And it's kind of this thing that we need to bank and then we just sort of carry on with our lives as though nothing has changed. But the problem with that is the resurrection of Jesus. It's this explosive event that affects everything now and in the future. And in the now, what the resurrection means for us is that we have power over sin. And this is what Adam covered last week for us. We know that the incredible good news of the cross is that our sins are now forgiven and we walk free of the guilt and shame that we've been carrying around. We are forgiven. We are set free. But even more than that, as Adam shared last week, the resurrection actually gives us power over sin. We get back in the driving seat. We become a new creation, a chaos creation, so that our whole nature is renewed to be able to follow Christ and not our sinful desires. And do listen online if you missed that one last week. I'm obviously biased, but I think it was good. And so resurrection in Christ. It means future hope and power over death. It means the present reality of forgiveness and the power to overcome sin. And finally, the resurrection of Jesus means the filling of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus dies, he's resurrected, and then he goes to be in heaven. But before he does this, he promises the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And when he does this, he says something fully crazy that, if I'm honest, I struggle to get my head around. Do you ever have those moments where you're reading your Bible and you're like, really, Jesus? And he says this, it is good for you 
that I go away. For if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. This is Jesus talking to his best friends, the guys who have dropped everything to follow him and put their lives, their trust in him. They've been walking around with him. They're his closest friends. And he says, it is good for you that I go away. Can you imagine their faces like, no, Jesus, this is not good. This is not what we want. We want you to stay, like be with us forever. But he says, it's good that I go because if I don't, you won't receive the Holy Spirit inside of you. Now, let's be really clear about what Jesus is saying here. We believe that our God walked the earth in human skin. He was tangible. He was a person. How many people here would appreciate walking through life with Jesus right next to you, right? Like giving you advice, encouragement, talking with you, praying with you, giving you strength. But he says that faced with that option or sending the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us, the Holy Spirit inside us is actually better, not just different, but better. And so however wonderful you imagine it might be to have the physical Jesus by your side, you have to actually expect even more because you've been sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you. And that might sound outrageous. It does sound outrageous. But we see it. We actually see it in the lives of the disciples. So let's focus on Peter. I mean, these guys were, honestly, they were a bit of a hot mess a lot of the time. Before Jesus leaves and they get the Holy Spirit, they were, they were constantly getting things wrong, getting fearful. Peter has this moment where Jesus is being crucified and he denies him three times. He's, he's terrified and standing by the fire and he denies Jesus three times. Then we fast forward. Jesus is resurrected. They're all praying in this room. It's terrifying. They don't know what's going on or what's going to happen to them. And then the Holy Spirit falls at Pentecost. Next thing, Peter, the same guy who was terrified by that fire, afraid of a little servant girl, Peter steps out into the streets, addresses a crowd of thousands, and preaches this belter of a sermon about the resurrection of Jesus and the power that we can receive in him. And what's changed from then until now is that Peter has received the Spirit. This is the power of the resurrected life. This is what we step into when we are in Christ. And the stuff the Bible tells us about the filling of the Spirit is sometimes so huge that we can struggle to take it all in, I think, and struggle sometimes to live in all the fullness of the promises of the Spirit. And it makes me think of a, a story I heard, and you may have heard it as well, this um, friend of a friend who, he was going, him and his fiance were getting married, and they were going on honeymoon. And, um, but they were working in ministry, and so they didn't have loads of money. They were going on this honeymoon, and so some amazing person in the congregation said, we'd love to bless you with a honeymoon as a wedding present. And so, um, and so they, they bought them this incredible honeymoon. Let's say it was to the Maldives, right? How amazing would that be? Please, Lord Jesus, one day. <laughs> um, so they, we have actually been there, and it is incredible. Um, the Maldives. So they get, they get this, this honeymoon to the Maldives bought for them. And so it's this incredible time, and they go out there, and it's beautiful, and the island is stunning, and they, they just spend the whole week in the sun. 
But before they went, they, they still don't have loads of money and they didn't want to have to spend loads when they were there eating out and stuff. So, so they, pack, they filled their suitcase with like loads of snacks and like pot noodles and stuff that they could have when they were there instead of spending lots of money. And so they, they spend the week there. They see everyone kind of going into the, the fancy restaurants and going for their cocktails and doing the whole thing. And every time they just sort of head back to their room and have a little pot noodle. But they decide on their last night that they're going to treat themselves and they're going to go to the, one of the really nice restaurants that they've seen everyone coming in and out of. And they go in and they have the best meal of their lives and it's just this incredible time. Food's amazing, the wine's amazing. And at the end, the waiter comes to bring them their bill. And, um, and the guy goes to put his credit cards on with the, against the check and the waiter says to him, oh, no, 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 you just need to sign your name against your room number. And he says, well, what do you mean? And he says, well, you're, you're on the all-inclusive package. <sighs> so you don't... So, <laughs> I know, it's like painful. But, you know, the truth is, right, I think as Christians, I think that we actually, we often live like this in our Christian faith. I think we settle for pot noodles when the Bible invites us to a banquet Right, the, the good news of the resurrection is not just some future hope. It is being in Christ is not just fire insurance so that one day we know we're gonna go somewhere good. It is it is an invitation into a completely different reality in the present. It's an invitation to enjoy a life of adventure with God, a life in the spirit. Being in Christ means being filled with the Holy Spirit, it means union with God. Access to all the power and gifts of the Holy Spirit, life in the kingdom. But I think so often we kind of forget. We kind of forget this, or maybe, maybe we have never fully appreciated who it is that we have inside of us and just how powerful he is with just what's on offer to us, right? So we, we live this kind of half-life, like we're on the luxury island, but we're just not partaking in any of what's available to us. And the thing is, what's on offer is too good for words. Life in the spirit is healings, supernatural power, wisdom, authority, total transformation, what Jesus calls life and life to the full. And it's now, right? It's in the present day. That's the invitation. I must not settle for a pot noodle life, right? We're in Christ. Everything is ours. Everything is available to us. And it starts now. Maybe you, you came here today and you felt more like the doubting, scared Peter who denied Jesus, let his friends down, Maybe you're kind of living on the, the snacks that you have in your bag and, and just not really partaking in this life that's on offer. But Jesus' resurrection, it changes everything. And suddenly Peter's able to, to live the life that he's always wanted to. Suddenly he's able to step out and be the leader he was called to be, that Jesus always said he was, the courageous man. And this is the transformation that's available for each of us today, if we want it, as we receive the spirit afresh and step fully into this resurrection life. 
We're just going to take a moment to respond. I wonder if Rich and the guys could come and join us. And I, I wonder if, for some of us here today, maybe, maybe we're very familiar and comfortable with the sort of future hope of heaven and eternity. Right, we kind of get that. But if we're honest, we haven't really allowed the present hope to begin to affect our reality. It hasn't changed what my life looks like on a Monday morning. I haven't really allowed this to, to interrupt or alter our lives. Maybe we're on the island, but we're just not participating in the all-inclusive. And maybe today you just want to step in. Maybe today you just want to take a moment with the Lord and say, you know what, I'm all in. I see what's on offer in this life in Christ, and I want it all. Not just a future hope, but a present transformation. Or for others of us today, you know, maybe we haven't really thought much about heaven. And frankly, we don't, we don't know where we're going. We don't have that certain hope. And we don't have much hope in the present. And maybe we need to discover this hope for the first time or to be reminded of it today. And God is wanting to encourage you that just as he rose from the dead, this, this life is available to each one of us. Maybe for others of us today, there is actually a real fear of death. There's a real fear of missing out in this life. But you know, the Christian hope in the resurrection is a reminder that life is to be lived in the full and with the spirit now. But this life, this is just a foreshadow, right? This is just the beginning. There is so much more to come. And one day we will be in that place where there is no more pain and no more suffering and no more tears. Maybe you just need a bit of strength today. Maybe you're walking through some difficult stuff. You're in the midst of it and you need a fresh dose of resurrection hope today to remind you to stand firm in the season that you're in. Because what we believe about the future affects and sustains how we live today. Why don't we um, just stand together? I'm going to pray for us and then we'll close. Just take a moment, if anything has stirred your heart, to, um, to invite the, the Spirit once again to fill you afresh with this hope. And so, King Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you did not just die, but that you rose again. Lord, that you conquered the final enemy, death itself. And in you, we have life and life to the full. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch each heart right now, that you would refill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, that you would give us a fresh breath of hope and future today. We love you, Jesus. Amen.